Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Mitrap Podcast, the Thriller Podcast. Where are we putting this, Mike? I don't know. This is going on the Mitrap Podcast. This is a tribute episode to Kyle Mills. So it's got to be on the Mitrap Podcast. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. And um, I didn't think we were going to be able to do this. Um, I packed just in case. So just to give it a little peek behind the curtain for the audience. I'm currently in Wisconsin on a two week long business trip. Like I, I'm doing like some science work at, at one of our manufacturing plants, uh, taking samples. So it's, it's been kind of crazy, you know, like it's a 24 hour plant. So like, uh, in order to get some of these samples, I'm going in at weird hours. We were supposed to record the other day and I, I like the thing wasn't, wasn't cooperating. So I had to take a sample at like 10 PM. So anyways, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to be able to, to sit down and talk about this book tonight. Dude, when you told me, you well, first, you said all this craziness with work, because wasn't the trip extended about a week? You weren't supposed to be there for two weeks. No, I was always supposed to be there for two weeks. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. were? Okay. Yeah, so we, we the, just, again, uh, peek behind the curtain. I, I work in a, a organism that grows really slow. So, you know, um, like some of these, you know, I make enzymes that go into, you know, Tide cascade and stuff like that and so you know there's someone out there that's actually making these things in a giant plant that, that go you know goes in these products and but it takes about 300 hours to run one of these fermentations so Jeez. that's about 14 days well when you days. told me you came prepared with your mic and your copy of code red i was like this guy <laughs> making sacrifices leaving yeah, the family yeah. for two weeks but not leaving the podcast <laughs> I'll leave the fire. Yeah, my wife's not too happy about that, but uh, you know, you know, I, I do what I do. I sacrifice. But yeah, I'm I'm cracking open. I'll just this is for you. This is for Kyle, actually. Wisconsin only beer. You can only get this beer in Wisconsin. And Whoa. it's called Spotted Cow. Oh okay. New, New Glarus Brewing. I'm gonna bring back I so I, I put my check I put my carry on inside my check bag. And all my clothes fit in my carry-on. because So I, I'm just going to bring back beer in my check bag. <laughs> so you're reversing it. <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, great, yeah. dude. Hey, well, thanks for that. Looking forward to cracking that open with you. Maybe we'll have it on the microphones. Maybe we'll have it on the golf course. But either way, we will certainly enjoy that Wisconsin beer. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes, we hinted at it. But today, before we get to Code Red, not to disappoint anybody, but Code Red doesn't come out for another almost two weeks from when we're recording this. So we're going to get there mid-September. So we'll have coming up for you in just a week or so our coverage of Code Red, our interview with Kyle Mills. Chris, I'm happy to say we have a date on the calendar confirmed to bring Kyle Mills here onto the show. And we're hoping he can not only talk Code Red, but talk about the topic of today's episode, Fade. His thriller from 2004 and a character that he has spoken about multiple times wanting to go back and add some backstory to. And I cannot wait for that after reading this book. I'm extraordinarily excited to talk Fade with you here today. Yeah. And I, you know, thinking that he, I, I knew that there was this character Fade and like that, that, that was this thing he was he was talking about it a lot in our different interviews and it's kind of like paining me to think that maybe is i hope this is not the last time we talked to kyle you know it, it probably won't be but you know it's it's a sad sad moment but i think looking forward i'm really intrigued to see 
you know, if he does decide to go forward with his character and, and, and elaborate on him more, Fade, like, is an awesome character. Like, yes. you know, reading this 2004 publication, you can, you can see elements of, like, like, like what he brings to the Mitrap series yep. and reading this. Like, yep. I, I, I wanted to, like, take a, take a second to, like, break down, like, Obviously, he was wrote this before, you know, uh, the Survivor, but it's a quintessential Kyle Mills novel. Like I, I could tell that Kyle Mills wrote this, and I can, I can pinpoint his Kyleisms in yep. it, yep. and uh, you know, see like where he brought his influence to the whole Vince Flynn series and, and, and into Mitrap. And like, not to say like that Fade is like Mitrap, but. Definitely one of the biggest things is humor. Like yes. he, that, that comes off right the bat, and like that's something that Kyle likes, and he definitely brought that to the series. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk this book with you today. I'm gonna 100 percent agree with you, especially when you bring up the dry humor <laughs> fade. Totally different character, but elements of that dry, dark, but also witty at the same time humor absolutely comes through with Mitch. In his brooding, you know, brooding Mitch. And then some of it even rubs off on Coleman, the more jolly stuff, the more fun loving right. stuff when Fade is a, a true jokester. And so it, all of that is definitely coming through. But I'm going to say the opposite is also true. This book is a paradox in a lot of ways because Kyle wrote in his blog, if you check out kylemills.com, he has a great behind the book section about writing Fade. And I think he made a really really uh, smart point here when he says normally his books have huge ideas you know major plots uh we read what was it uh what was the phoenix rising phoenix was it rising or yeah, yeah yeah about disrupting the drug trade and so we're talking like intercontinental drug trading and huge global implications or all of his mitch rap books usually have these larger than life plots involving nukes or end of world scenarios and he said here he wanted the character to carry the weight of the book and the gravity of the plot. And it's, so it's a really almost myopic book. It's it's really just kind of zoomed in on who Fate is, how the relationships around him are affected by his personality. I Dare I say even his – I guess definitely his depression. It's not quite anxiety. I, I would maybe even say he, he kind of seems to be almost – on the spectrum, if you will, I see elements right. of people with uh, different autism uh, spectrum disorders. And and to see that in a character who's also an apex predator, who's dealing with all sorts of trauma that he's been through and post-traumatic stress, combine that with this personality, it just really pushes the character front and center and the relationships he has. And that's going to cause drama. That's going to cause a plot to really, really propel forward. He didn't need a world-ending nuke situation or a big geopolitical backdrop. And he says that's very different for him. And so I agree. This book is quintessentially Kyle Mills, but also what Kyle likes to do is experiment. And he and he tried an experiment here. And like we've said on the podcast in the past, when an author has a character that they know is gold, something else on the page happens. You can feel it, right? It's like in their bones. I got to say, with Fade, and for what? over a decade now, or if this book was 2004, almost 20 years, I think Kyle has felt there's a gold mine here and we've only scratched the surface with this one novel. 
And so I'm really excited that he's going to have the freedom, the, the liberty to go back, spend some more time on this and really get his own creative juices flowing. Because for however many years he was kind of hemmed in by the Mitrap universe, I think it really pushed him. And we saw how he growed and we, we've critiqued his work in real positive ways. But to let him just run loose with a character that he personally feels so strongly about, I'm very, very amped up to see what comes next. Yeah, and I, I feel like we we got enough to like satiate us in the novel, but there's still so much more that we can learn about this character. <laughs> I love the the joke where someone keeps like I don't know, multiple people keep calling him Mr. Fayed, and he's like, That's Al Fayed to you. You know, like Fayed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that he's a different character. He's not like this white apex predator. He's he's you know, and it, it, I feel like we've gotten different instances of this where you have someone who's perfect to fit into that box. If you can flip them, you know, who are fluent in, in Arabic and but are raised, you know, he was raised Christian. Like, you know, is it's a very interesting, like, you know, character to want to dive into. Like this, this idea of the perfect person that you could sort of insert into. I mean, I guess Mitrap in a sense is, is kind of like that, right? Because he was... Right had that skin tone. He obviously was fluent in Arabic, but this is like an amped up version of, of that, you know, right. like someone who's actually, you know, is, you know, of the heritage. Of yes, exactly. You know, and I, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about him and you're totally right. He has this weird, and he's also like a man with a ticking time clock because of the bullet in his back. You know, you have like that whole element to the, to the story where it reminds me of, I, you know, like the movie Crank, where like the, you know the, that's a ridiculous movie, but you know the guy has to like do yeah keep his his blood pressure elevated in, in order to like stay alive. You know, you have like extra element heightness awareness at all times because at any time you could become paralyzed or you could die. You know, yeah, that's great. It, it's it's a, it's a great like plot you know device. So my brain was firing because you we have that scene. It actually happens with him embedded in the Middle East. And by the way, I love the setting right off the bat. In oh, the first yeah. chapter, when we put Mitch in Lethal Agent and he's running through this this empty desert from this village up into the hills, I was I, I almost felt like I was there with the first chapter of Fade. The way he's hiding out, drinking out of a goatskin bladder on the side of the road, kind of looks like a, a vagabond, this wanderer picking picking goat hairs out of his teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It's, and and he people around him are like looking at him. He's all disheveled. They're grumbling. But then he feels compelled to save this girl. And that's how he gets the bullet in his back. Just we're automatically transported there. We're in love with Fade because he wants to do the right thing. And he realizes it was a trap at the very end when it's too late and after he's shot. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, how are we going to have more of this guy? Like, how is right. Kyle going to get out of this box of this character could become paralyzed at any minute? There's no way I would expect them to be amped up in a fight or to, to win a duel or he honestly thinks he's going to be a vegetable, right? Like, how is Kyle going to turn him into this next big character, he writes? Yet, I love the ending. So I guess it just has to be a spoiler. Fade dies in what I would say is – Almost a perfectly written scene. I, I really enjoyed his death in the end. And to me, that unlocked 
now you get to get the backstory of Fade. All the right. little nuggets we had in the book of where Fade's been in the past, how he became America's number one killer. Even his best friend, Chris Egan, is like, I'm deadly afraid of this guy. You know, when Hillel Strand is like, oh, it sounds like you're afraid of Fade. Egan's like, I'm absolutely afraid of him, <laughs> you know, and everybody should be. I was like, how are you going to have this guy go on and become a, a a protagonist of future books? But we don't need that. He's dead. And I'm so glad he's dead. I think it's a perfect ending to the story. But now Kyle has the chance to fill in all those gaps. I think that's just going to be brilliant and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, you don't have to worry about the ending, right? Because the ending's already written. You know, exactly. now you can just write the stories. Now exactly. you can just write the stories. You know, it's it's like a lot of authors struggle with endings and not that these these books tend to not have endings you know like they they just you know like with the scott and with the grainy series and you know it it's just you know it's kind of like adventure of the year and here we have a new book but but this is sort of flipping it on its on its axis here if, if especially if he wants to go back and, and tap into this character he can and he doesn't have to worry about any of that oh. you know this this is the final chapter this this is this book is it and then I can now write, I can, I can, I can write my American assassin and then fill everything in, in between, you know? Yes. And it's just great because you, you know, I like when people die, <laughs> these characters yeah. in books. I mean, it was sad. It was sad. <laughs> oh, it was terribly sad, but it was at the same time fitting. And I think Egan, his friend, I think I said Chris Egan before that's Alex's cousin, one of our buddies. I, yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's Matt Egan, right? <laughs> Matt Egan, Matt Egan, yeah, not our, not your friend Chris Egan. In my head, I'm imagining Chris Egan, one of our buddies. Yes, um, but no, Matt Egan. Now we get to go see him and Fade operating when they were friends, right? And you can have a whole book, or you can have a whole series of books about their friendship falling apart and how he thinks Egan was a traitor and turned on him, and you know, sold out to the pencil pushers in government and in the sure. bureaucracy of the CIA. You could have him being recruited to the CIA, right? Egan brought him in and felt responsible for him. Egan even cooked the books, you know, put himself in hot water, which eventually was part of this plot. But all the lengths that his his best friend went to to help him, yet at the same time, due to his Fade's personal struggles and, and his, his disorders and his depression, he hates his best friend. And in this book, he literally tells him, I'm going to kill you. Like, don't don't come talk to me and we we as the reader see Egan's side of this guy doesn't even know I went lengths to try to save him right I right. risked my career I'm now risking my family I'm risking everything to help you fade he loves fade and fade can never know that and you know fade when he says I'm going to kill you and Egan just gives this very resigned I know I'm, I lost my mind. I'm like, that is such great writing that I think is brave. I don't think a lot of writers would be willing to do that. And when all of that culminates with Egan holding back Karen Manning in the hospital room, knowing he's going to take his own life by letting the snipers shoot him, I think it's just a brilliant ending to their friendship, their relationship, to fade struggles. He, he played the role he needed to play by helping them catch the killer and free the or well free the um free the woman who the was the girl. prisoner of the of the psychopath yep. killer like fade got to use all his psychopathic tendencies in a good channeled way 
to save a woman who initially he didn't give a rat's ass about. He even told Karen Manning, oh, we caught the killer. That's great. But she's like, but we didn't get his victim. There's there's a kidnapped woman who's going to die. And Fade's like, yeah, but I don't care. That just means he can't capture future women. She's like, but there's one right. here we can save right now. And ultimately he does that in his own twisted, demented way and becomes the hero. An anti-hero became a hero. And I and he had to die for that. And Egan knew he had to die for that. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. You you know my free space. My five out of five is going to be the ending. Kind of gave that away. <laughs> yeah, and I would have felt cheap had this guy live after killing all those cops. Right. The, the, that, that was a very you know, bold scene. And like you could one, I think you can definitely see later on like his, how, how well Kyle has a, a grip on writing action scenes. Like that whole scene with the house, they attack on the house. Like it reminds me of so many other mid trap scenes that we've, we've read. Yeah. It was almost uncanny, but I know that this one was written first, you know, it's like, but I'm reading it afterwards. So I, I feel like it was it influenced, but it's actually, no, that is what influences later writing. And then, you know, the relationship, between Matt and Fade, you you get the sense that it's it's very deep, right? Yeah. And you almost you almost want to understand more of it. You, yes. You, you like crave more of it. Yes. And it's not it's real, you know. It, like, does that make sense to you? Like, no, it's real. It's complicated. It's messy, as all friendships that go this deep are. And even though we just scratched the surface of it, I feel like it's pretty well developed, and I I, I buy in. Yes. To, you know, we, we like the idea of buy-in. I buy into their friendship to this, you know, deep respect and, you know, understanding. Like, it, it, even, like, we, we get it in a little bit of Fade's head after the, the phone call, like, hangs up. And he's he understands that, like, all right, that was a little unfair, what he said. Like, this guy actually did go to bat for me. Um, but, yeah, he still, I'm still going to have to kill You know, like, but, yeah. you know, obviously, he's an inspector, so he's like, I'm still going to have to kill him, right? I don't know. It's 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 very it's very complex and it's 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 interesting it's it it leads to an interesting read yes and just to bring it back to that end scene it's like like you said we don't have to worry about the ending in my mind i literally said to myself okay he's gonna get a surgery egan's gonna find a way to convince him they're gonna save his life take the bullet out and he's gonna go back to being a crazy killer and they'll be friends again and all of that just vanished when he died in the end and I was like okay now we don't need this cheap device of someone saves the day or all of a sudden fate is quote unquote okay you know he's normalized no fate got to die being who he was but also being the good guy we knew he was even with the baggage he carried and now I just want the prequel I I want the prequel I want to see his training I want to see him being recruited I want to see him both in the military and later the CIA there's so many things and Here's what's interesting. A quote I want to read here describes Fade, and it's such good writing, and it's Kyle blogging about the book. So there's uh, okay. even there's even amazing writing coming out of Kyle, like in this about secondary way. Yeah, exactly, about his own book. That just shows the inspiration I think this guy has, which gets me jazzed for what's next. Just, just listen to what he wrote here. Enter Salam al-Fayed, Fade to his friends. He is as funny as he is violent and can go from completely calm to completely nuts in the blink of an eye. Bizarre as he is, his relationships are even stranger. His closest friend is also his primary target, and he keeps trying to figure out a way to get a date with the woman cop chasing him. 
in a nutshell, he's a truly likable, incredibly fun guy who just happens to have the minor quirk of being a barely repentant mass murderer. <laughs> that's that's it. That's he's so a truly true. likable, incredibly fun guy who happens to have the minor quirk of being a barely repentant mass murderer. Kyle, you're killing me, dude. You're killing me. Yeah, and I I guess I like this book because it was so different. You know, it's 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 a little it's a it's like refreshing, like not to read the same thing again. And I feel like sometimes when we've read things, we've seen these tropes, but in a good way. You know, like um, Jack R had him have a, a terminal illness, and then he got fixed. You know, like obviously, like that that happens. But I felt like here it would have been a little bit more cheap. Like if that makes sense, yep. it it. it Having him die one is a very bold move. And I feel like, you know, Kyle is very experimental, right? You said that at the beginning. Like, so obviously when he was writing this, wasn't trying to think of, oh, I want to have a, a series. And I, I, I almost, I almost kind of like that. Like just this idea. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to write, I have a story. I'm going to write it. You know, yes. not thinking about book two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 25, but book one. Yeah. W- what is going on here? Yeah, I think that's why I've I've jived a lot with 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 Sean uh, with Sa Cosby stuff because I agree. they are these standalone like true true you know everyone claims oh well, I write a standalone novel in my twenty five book series but you're keeping you know, the door open for the next one and the third one and the f- fourth one and fifth yeah I mean because there's no stakes there's exactly. no stakes and at the same time the stakes aren't all that large here right it's like. Okay, Fade dies, a depressed warrior. You know, how many times have we heard people going through what Fade's going through? And it's not a world-ending kind of plot. It, so there's amazing stakes because we're so invested with the characters. But they're not grand stakes in this great geopolitical battle of, uh, you know, of wills of people in power. And it's just so – it's it's so real. It just feels more real than if, uh, you know – Brad Thoris having a war between China and India and Russia and what you know whatever, he just felt real and personal. And you throw in let's let's mention a few other characters like Karen Manning, love her as a cop and same thing. She's really good at her job, but she's getting screwed by the system. You know, her boss what was it Pickering or somebody hates her, and all, all the people on her SWAT team are telling their wives, you know, oh, it's this woman who got the job, got promoted. And she in her mind says, no, I'm better than all you fuckers. Like, I'm way better than all you. And she knows it, but she's got to deal with the system. She's another one that I think a lot of people can identify with. You got Roy Buckner. How many smart-ass villains has Kyle brought to the Mitrap series? He he reminds me of a non-Kyle Mills villain. He reminds me of um, Victor. Oh, Victor. I was going to say Lloyd of the Gray Man, but yeah, definitely Victor, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely Lloyd, too. Yeah. Like a racist Roy- Lloyd. Yeah, so there's even a supporting cast of characters who are identifiable or are these tropes, and they just work so well being brought into the story, being put up against a fade. I, I, you know, like Karen Manning and fade coming together. It's just like, whoa. Yeah, and I think it, I don't know, like Kyle, Kyle, Kyle writes female characters pretty well. He does. You know, I, I think like we've, that's been one of his strengths. Uh, you know, he obviously wanted to top tap back in to uh, Donatella and brought her back in. You know, obviously does Claudia. Why am I bl- Claudia? Why am I blanking on her name? Obviously does Claudia amazing, and obviously wanted to elevate her to 
you know, a, essentially a, a level of a, of a Scott, right? You know, like not not the main character, but you know, direct yeah. right underneath an A minus B plus character, like that secondary. Yeah, like w- w- would you say that Mitch and Irene are level, or is Mitch still above Irene? Like this is—I know this is a side tangent, but oh, that's a know. good question. If we're talking about like primary, secondary, tertiary yeah. characters, it feels really disingenuous to relegate Irene to secondary because that is not true. It does. But the opposite also I, I doesn't sit well with me. Is she on equal footing with Mitch? You know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say she is. She I'm her and say Mitch yes together are the main characters of the series. I'll agree. Yeah. Maybe not in the beginning, but de- definitely like the past. You know, from the middle on. Yeah they've switched being like co- co-main characters yeah i think i want a little more of her moving forward i, I do think that's uh, yeah i definitely and i you know i'm only like two two chapters into code red so we'll, we'll get into that but yeah we'll, get we'll say that. everyone is vibing with it on our discord or yeah, we, we don't have discord but on our uh our group chat on group me so oh and also just to talk about that one to tell the people what we're also dropping shortly after this episode i hope little preview of the George Goodell to Steven Weber announcement because dude we got a short 30 second clip of the new narrator and I have a lot of thoughts I'm, I'm gonna leave it there I have a lot of thoughts so we'll we'll have a, a hot take episode coming out to you uh pretty soon about that takeover and uh you have thoughts I have thoughts oh, good thoughts there's well, some good I- thoughts I have good and bad thoughts. Like, right. I just like, I, I just, uh, I want to know why. Like, why now? I know, I know, I know. All right, well, we're going to have to get into that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a completely other pod. We also have to reserve judgment until we get the Code Red audiobook because there's no way to get an advanced copy of that. So we have to wait. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. To get back to Fade, though, can we just talk the action scenes for a minute? I mean, yeah, before we, we get into the scorecard. Maybe because we read the abridged and we we didn't give this caveat earlier. Maybe we should have the only. I did audiobook. go back. I did go back and read some of the chapters I missed. Like I, I just wanted to get a sense. Like I wanted to understand how much I was missing. Right. Because this is my first. Uh, this is my first abridged novel. Uh, we I didn't want to read the abridged novel, but that's all they had available to us. It wasn't even on Audible, right? No, I checked Audible, Scribed, Amazon, Overdrive, Libby. Um, I did another one, another audiobook. Um, Chirp, Chirp is another audiobook platform. Only the abridged is available for Fade, and, and I should have, like you, went back and read the text version. I definitely want to do that. I, I'm a little hesitant about the scorecard because so many things I know would be way higher if I read the full version. Yeah, the, the abridged version, I could tell when there was a clip in the scene, yeah, like definitely. an action scene that that resolved too quickly. Or a cutscene that got you a little bit like, wait, what happened here? We needed some filler. So mm, I'm a little nervous about that. So warning, we did the abridged version. But one benefit to that is, holy crap, the action just doesn't stop coming. It really pops. Like yeah. In the abridged, maybe that's because they tend to focus on it. I noticed that like they in the bridge, they drop a lot. They drop a decent amount of the dial, like frivolous dialogue. A lot of some of the descriptors get dropped. You know, I went back and read the first 10 chapters and like then kind of compared them versus the 10 chapters of audio or like the first, you know, what that was in the abridged audio. Yeah. What else? Did and you obviously notice? you got like all the all the main plot points are there. Like obviously he's not skipping any any of the plot points, the, the reader. 
but it, you you know you lose while I still was able to pick up that Kyle Millsness in his uh, reading of it. There's just so much more there when you read it, yeah. and uh, obviously that makes sense because it's it's his yeah. actual words, right? So it's you know it's good to know that even though we didn't read, even though we didn't read the entire thing, and we, obviously you know Kyle's probably going to be mad that we listened to the abridged version, but you know we're <laughs> A busy guy. I'm, I'm sampling at like 10 p.m. at night, so I, I need I need the the, the audio books. Dude, we we would have done the full audio book. I would have. I would if it's I available. I couldn't even buy it on Amazon or Audible. I absolutely would have. It's just not out there. Yeah. This is one book though where I, I really liked your approach. I wish I did that. I I want the filler, right? I want just a couple of page long dialogue, Fade and Karen Manning, or a, a couple of pages of Egan with his family wondering what this chase with fate is going to look like or even an action scene. I thought the hospital scene after he poisoned the cake, it just went too quick. I was like, I it want was, this well, kind of drawn book, out. In the book, it goes a lot longer. Yeah. yeah it, it felt like this, uh, they, they called it the Mexican standoff. Like it felt that way yet. It just resolved real quick. Like I almost had to, in my mind kind of headcanon, Okay, I guess he just backed out of the hospital with this hostage and he was able to walk free and no one chased him. And it, you know, there were no leads. Like, how'd he get out of and extricate himself from that showdown at the hospital? He went in there, I think, willing to die, right? As long as he killed Hillel Strand, I think he was then willing to turn around and maybe, you know, die right then and there on the spot. But when he wasn't able to do that, when he didn't get to kill Egan, and or strand, he had to back out, and so he had a reason to keep living. But I didn't see that play out. The scene just kind of ended. So, yeah, to, those are the disappointing parts of mm-hmm. the audiobook. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, and you can you can feel it. You can, it's that's the worst part about it is that you can feel that they. Yeah, you know, I was listening to the, to this on one point five speed, and the book was only four, like just on, under four hours. And it's like most abridged audiobooks i feel like six to eight you know, six to eight right yeah so it's really short no sense no sense to like cut cut that much from this novel i don't know it just doesn't again abridged novels shouldn't exist like this is my first soiree into it and i'm never going to do it again no i didn't want to i i didn't want to but i had i had <laughs> I, I had to listen to an audiobook because that's all i had time for we wanted to cover it yeah. And that's all that was available to us. So I'm sorry, the public. But and I wavered. I, I, there were a few times where I said, "Early and middle, Brad, I'm okay with abridged audiobooks." And I think that just uh, because of his style of writing. But I would never promote that for a writer like Kyle Mills, because so much of the filler and and character building is so rich. And and you know he's got the zingers. Kyle can write a one liner. He brought that to the Mitch Rap series. I think. While Vince's writing was so unique and so strong, I think Kyle brought these gems of one-liners that are just gold that we see in this book for sure. And I think that's a a real important side of Kyle Mills. And you lose some of that when you're just going action scene to action scene to action scene. So, yeah, I don't like the abridged books. I have advocated for it. A few early Brad Thor books were an abridged version could help you get through it a little quicker to get to the main stuff, you know, to get to your full black, get to your spy master, get to your backlash. But um, yeah, I usually wouldn't advocate. I think like you're, I think you've done this before where like an abridged novel is helpful 
if you wanted to go back and and like re-listen yes. to something, but yes. you didn't want to listen to the whole thing. Um, like if I had if I had if I was able in my mind to fill in those gaps, having having already read it, yep. you know, just just getting the beats, then sure that would have been fine. But like the first time around, I was like, whoa, like fade, knowing there's only the abridged audiobook. Anybody I I promote fade to, I would say read read, read the full text, read it, yeah. read the full text. Your second, your third read, whatever you revisit it a few years from now when the next book comes out, maybe the abridged just to catch you up. But yeah. But I will say this one. the I didn't love the audiobook narrator except for the action sequence in the beginning. Like where with at the house when Fade is getting he takes out these cops that he doesn't think are cops, he thinks they're they're special operators. Which is like also another turn on the dime of like different tropes that we see in these things. Like, you know, we see a lot of you know, our our people, whether it's uh, James Reese, Mitch Rapp, you know, taking out like opposing special operators, that's supposed to be okay. But in this sense, it's not okay because mm-hmm. they're not, they're, they're just normal cops. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit of turn on the dime there, right? You know, just thinking about when in actuality, like killing special operators should be just as devastating as, as killing a cop, you know, like, does, does that make sense to you? No, sure. It does. I, I just think it's, you, you weren't in, you weren't in a battle, you, you know. They were, they were just coming to arrest somebody off an anonymous tip, you know, and he killed them defending himself. It was like didn't throwing know, didn't know who they were. dynamite into a into the water to catch a fish. Yeah, but he didn't know who they were. He has so many yeah. enemies from his past, and the remorse that he feels that they're cops. I think it would have been this would have been the same if the military came after him. But then again, if the military came after them, he would have known they were briefed. You know, they were basically breaking the constitution you know to come after him they were they were fully trained that they were going after a warrior you know these cops just thought they were rolling up on a dude and were going to arrest him you know like a regular SWAT operation and they had no chance knowing who they were up against if you send in delta or seals they're not going on that mission particularly a domestic mission where these cops they had no idea right yeah that's why i think it adds another element to it you know yeah and his remorse, the fact that someone who is so disconnected from the normal range of human emotions, yet, again, we we love him because he has so much remorse about this. And he wants, even he says, I don't care if anyone in the world really knows who I am, what I've done, what I've been through, but it means something if I tell you that to Karen. Right. And Karen's like, right. why are you calling me? And he's like, I don't have anybody else to call. And so I thought I'd just tell somebody. It just felt right for me to tell somebody before I die, right? Before I kill myself, right? I don't want the universe to know. I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to be applauded. But it just felt right that somebody else should know. You know, he's got this really strange way of interacting with people. Strange. Very strange. But you love him for it. Yeah. No, that's. I think that what's, that's what makes him such an interesting character and, like, why I want more of him. Yeah. And then, come on, while we're on action, the ejector seat in the car – that kills Roy Buckner. Dude, that's so Kyle. It's so Kyle. That's very Kyle. That's very Kyle. You know, it's just this little little thing thrown in there. It's hilarious. Like when he, you know, he goes to these, I don't know. Isidro. It, Kyle loves to ride in like the cartels, like Mexican. Like you can definitely he tell here, like where he got his inspiration to like go down to in, in Lethal Agent. You know, to bring that back in, and then they're going to come back in in Code Red. You know, like 
Kyle likes writing about these kind of people, you know, and this, this uh, putting people in these situations that are involved with these various uh, nefarious characters. So, yep. He also likes the utterly ridiculous when he tells yeah. Isidro it's going to be a James Bond car and he's a consultant in Hollywood. <laughs> and the guy's Come like, on, you're, man. You're going to have to tell people that we made this car, you know, it's for the word, you know, get a business. And Fade's like, oh, you're going to get a lot of notoriety. People are going to know your business. That was funny. Oh, man, the ejector seat is just awesome. Even Fade's demeanor when he's getting captured. And, and like, Karen is flabbergasted at first how he's just so calm. You know, when Roy Buckner sneaks up on them and, and, and takes him, he's just kind of laying there in the car. Like, he's the kind of guy I could see sitting in a solitary confinement cell just staring at a wall for, like, two weeks straight. And even the guards on the camera are just like, what's with this guy, <laughs> you know? He's a he's a weird dude. Very yeah. weird character. Dude, great stuff. I mean, the last action scene is really the the hospital room sequence, which we talked a bit about, but a, a little again, the buy-in, while I love the scene, you heard me in the beginning go on and on about how fitting it was. I don't know about the buy-in, right? Like if he just holds up in this hospital room, chocks the door, closes the window shades. Do they really let his two friends right in through the door? I guess you can call yeah. them friends, Egan and Manning. Like it, the dynamics of how a hostage situation such as that would go down felt a little maybe loose. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe again, it was the abridged version, but I, I love the scene so much how it played out. I just don't know if I complete it, like the cake scene, poisoning the cake. I don't know how much it's awesome and fun. I don't know how much I buy into it being a realistic way to get to that get point. someone to the hospital to be able to take them out yeah, exactly yeah. exactly yeah and the the serial killer aspect of this i just I kept on coming back to it like what I, I mean i know it's just a plot device to like it was connect him yeah. with with manning give know, him something like, good to do in the end yeah too. it just i don't know that that was like the weirdest part of it you it know, felt weird throughout the book found, when they're mentioning it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's again like like I, like you said the, if it's the audiobook or you know the bridge version or, or whatever, but it just it felt weird and like you didn't need to have that there or I don't know. I, I want to try to rewrite rewrite this book, but it just it was that that was like the weirdest aspect of it. This the serial killer that he ends up you know trying to get save the character but i guess you, know, you want to have like a redemptive arc yes that's his whole goal right now because he feels bad and he feels remorse about killing these cops so you know like you said the anti-hero you know it's but the buy-in the buy-in's low the buy-in's pretty low i i'll agree with you it felt weird throughout the book maybe the full version has it weaves it in a little better but another aspect of it where it does land is the fact of he knows the profile of the serial killer and how he's competing for airtime. And the fact that Fade is taking away this guy's media coverage. You know, it's like the Gilgo Beach murderer, right? Like, there's something strange about this this person. And, like, you know they're getting off on people finding out about this. You know, they're secretly right. like, oh, it's really cool that everyone knows what I did. And whether they don't care about the consequences in that moment, they, they're secretly and sometimes not secretly enjoying the attention. And so there was that cool dynamic of Fade realizing I'm taking all the attention away from you, which is going to piss him off and splitting the media narratives in the country. You know, like when you have 
this happens so much when we have like two dueling stories in the news and like, like Gabby Petito or whatever, you know, and then someone else goes missing and all of a sudden we've got these sensational headlines. For that reason, I felt that it was real. You know, like that would be one of those mass murderers who's like on TV all the time. We can't stop hearing about them. And the fact that Fade and other characters picked up on that. It was like the zeitgeist, you know, of the moment. Right. That right. part redeemed it a little bit for me because that felt real. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. The last odd kind of rubbed me the wrong way was what was the name of the website where they posted Fade's story? Oh, I forget. Um, it just felt a little rushed. And maybe there were some scenes where he and Karen are really planning out what they're going to do. And we hear why Fade wants to make yeah, this website. Up. Yeah, get, tell his side of the story. I I didn't see much of a reason for it. I mean, at one point, it does allow General Crenshaw, the Secretary of Homeland Security, to to play hardball with Strand and to really call Strand on his bullshit. Right. right. If, if people didn't know, right, if the powers that be didn't know Fade's side of the story. And when, when Strand was given some bullshit, he's like, okay, so the only thing Fade decided to lie about and omit in his biography is the crap that you're telling me. Everything else about Fade and his story checks out and is true, but you're telling me things that don't line up with Fade. Like, you're the only person who has a counter-narrative to what Fade is offering. So it, it allowed for that, but at the same time, it just felt weird or unnecessary. Yeah, and that that aspect of it, like, really felt the Ludlum mm, influence yes. into the story. You know, like this whole born, like, you know, it's it's like fate is has elements of Jason Bourne to him. You know, yeah. like oh, yeah. this this man who was discarded by uh, a secret organization and and you know has a story to tell himself. You know, and I, I feel like this story has a, an amalgam of picking from different inspirations that Kyle has gained throughout you know his reading and, and writing career and putting it together in, in this novel. So, yeah. Agreed. Scorecard. What do you think? Should we get down on uh, on the yeah, let's pod do scorecard? It. Let's do it, man. Did we have the scorecard for much of the Mitrap series? I don't think we did until the recent two or three books. Excuse me. We didn't have it until when we were starting the Scott Harvath podcast. Our friend Daryl suggested we should have instead of just saying do we do we like it or do we not we should actually like sit down or no we because we were doing like five stars right like we were having you know like what what would we rank this book Uh, out of of ten or out of five whatever and he suggested maybe we should have more categories to give him more i feel like it's still a little bit subjective and there are the scorecard is not is very fallible it's very fallible not a perfect Um, tool but i but i think it's better you know, and I think yeah, it, it helps. So yeah, no, we haven't had it. We really instituted it for the whole thriller podcast and for the Scott Harvey podcast. You're right. And so, just in case somebody doesn't know, well, first you should subscribe to No Limits, the Scott Harvath podcast, and the Thriller podcast. We've covered James Reese, so many, uh, you know, Jack Carr, so many other authors over there. So check it out. But we'll also say the the numbers as we go. You know, for example, action and plot, the two biggest most important categories you might say each get a score out of 10 points and in the end it's a total of 50 points so action and plot chris what do you give fade out of 10 points each 
I think they give the action a solid eight. You know what? What I read of the action, I thought it was very good. You know, you have the the opening scene, the attack on his house, the you know the hospital scene, the end scene, even like the little you know little intermittent action scenes are are, are pretty good. And I, I think Kyle really really strives in writing these. So yeah, I, I gotta go give him a solid score on that with an eight. What about you, Mike? I think I'm going to go a little higher. I go with a nine. The opening scene uh, was really cool. The hit at the house with the SWAT team when he's taking them out using all his secret gadgets and stuff. Yeah, that was the gadgets cool. again. Might like, also be Kyle. gadget in 2004. Like that's that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, he really set up this nest. I almost want to call it the nest. Uh, this hideout where he can monitor everything, <laughs> and he bought these parts at like Sharper Image or something like that. Uh, so anyway, I love those scenes. I love the final hospital scene. I love him dying. The ejector seat is a lot of fun. So I'm going nine on action. I'm I'm going to bump it up. Okay. Okay. What about the plot? I like the plot. We've said so many things about it already. One other thing I'll say, maybe a criticism, if you will. The whole idea of Strand and Egan putting together this team. And them initially wanting Fade to be on this team. And the whole reason this happens is they want to kind of get some dirt on Fade and use that to influence him to join their super secret squirrel team. Not the biggest hook to me. You know, so many other things hooked me in about the book and the plot. But when I step back, it was you think about it? When I think about it, it wasn't all that meaningful that everything that's happening with Fade being hunted by these guys is because is they because want him to work for him. Strand wanted him to work for him and dug up dirt on him. And then everything spiraled out of control. The spiraling out of control was a heck of a lot of fun. The initial hook of why we got there, a little underwhelming. So there were some chapters early on. I didn't buy with Strand wanting him on his team and trying to convince him. Just wasn't perfect. So for that, I'm going to go to an eight. But everything else, once Fade gets flowing, him and Karen Manning, him and Egan, everything about that I, I, I jived with. So I'm going eight on plot. Okay, I'm I'm going a little higher. I'm going on nine, and I think I, I actually bought into that. I thought it was a good concept to introduce these characters. You're able to introduce some of the other nefarious characters that Egan has dealt with, you know, through the same plot device. It's kind of like weird. It doesn't get a full. You know, maybe it's more like an eight point five because the story are very. It jumps around. You know, a lot. It's like it's a thriller. It's uh, you know, this uh, it's an origin story. It's also an end story. You know, right. it's it's it, it kind of doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't know what it wants to be, but it, then it ends up just being what it is. You know, so yeah, I, I'll go eight point five. I like that description right there, and I like what it becomes. Throwing a little yeah. psycho drama. It's kind of like you know, you set out to write. I'm going to write the story. I don't quite know where it's gonna where it's gonna end up, and then it ends, and then all right, that's that is what that's what the story is. That's what I wrote. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm giving it that half point because you're right. The way it works from start to finish, origin to end, it's a com- like we said before. It didn't need to be a trilogy. It didn't need to let's set something up for a huge arc. It needed to be one complete solid story, start to finish, and it ticked all those boxes. So I'm gonna give it eight point five with you. Okay. And similarly for buy-in, I, I don't doubt this would have been a five if I read the whole book. So that's why I said I feel a little guilty with the scorecard here. 
but I was really bought in minus those few quibbles I just brought up. And even the parts that were unrealistic, they're forgivable to me. I didn't even think about the birthday cake. This is just bizarre. It could never happen this way because I was having fun. I didn't even think the hospital scene. This should be a hostage situation. They're not going to let people kind of walk into this room just because he wants them. I, I forgave that because I wasn't thinking that in the moment. This is only me overanalyzing after listening to the audiobook twice and prepping for a podcast. So I am going four and a half on buy-in. I think it could have been a five if if I read the whole thing, and that's on me. So I'm not going to go any lower than four and a half. All right, I, I'm going with a four. Like some of the things I just I couldn't get into. And, Bizarre. And yeah. It <laughs> maybe maybe if I read the entire thing, that would be higher. Like you said. I didn't, and that's ultimately a little bit on not having the full audiobook available to me. So, and that four and four and a half is out of five points. Our buy-in score, yes, is a five-point score. Yeah, the rest of the rest of the categories will be five points. Five points, yeah. the The other reason I'm not going to go lower on buy-in is because bad guys and good guys. I bought into every character. I don't think okay. there was a mismanaged character or a character who didn't fit in. I think everyone played a role that was satisfying. Everyone was clearly very different, you know. Yeah. Strand is very different than Egan, you know, even though they are kind of partners. What's her name? Karen uh, Manning is very different than some of the other cops, you know, that we're talking to uh, along the way. Even this General Crenshaw who comes in, he he fills the page, you know. He, he fills the suit, if you will. He's not just a throwaway especially when he's talking down Strand and ultimately has Strand arrested. So I'm kind of close to going five and five, bad and good guys. I, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going five and five. Every character right. played a role for me. They really, really did. Right, I'm going, I'm going to four for bad guys just because Halal, Strand, because I'm not counting Matt. I'm counting Matt Egan and the good guys. And I'm giving a five to the good guys. You know, even though Matt Egan, like Matt Egan, is an an anti-hero just as much as Fade. Fade is an anti-hero. Is Fade a bad guy? Is he a villain? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, he kind you know, of is. He he kind of is. Um, but if we want to talk about about true bad guys, I feel like that's just Halal and just the Buckner character. Little cartoony, maybe. And those two were just. I don't know. They weren't. They weren't stand out to me. Whereas, like, if we want to throw in Fade to the good guys, we want to, I definitely like Karen Manning. I liked Matt Egan, um, and the Crenshaw, uh, General Crenshaw. So I'll give a five on the good guys, but I'm going four on the bad guys. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe Buckner could come off as cartoony. I I, I just think the light in the dark of Egan and Fade being bad guys in some ways. And according to whom, right, right to whose perspective, were they good or bad? Karen would say Fade was absolutely terrible the first half of the book. But once she knew his story, he was a friend. You know, he's a compatriot. Right. So uh, I, th I think because we're blurring the edges of good and bad guys, I got to give it the points. I got to okay. give it the credit. All, right. All right. That's your score. Setting. Now, what about the setting? I, I think it had potential. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I think it had potential. It had potential, but I'm giving it a three. <laughs> a one. I'm giving it a three. You're giving it a three. Okay. I want to hear your reason for that before I give a score. You know, so this story was supposed to be set outside of DC. 
Virginia. They he just he throws around like she's just a Virginia cop. Um, not even like picking a a town, you know, a town or a precinct or you know, state trooper, whatever. I just felt like this story could have taken place anywhere. Mm. You know, like, sure they were in Homeland Security, but you know that they they could have been anywhere. Uh, I didn't feel that. You know, jumping around from Maryland to Virginia to D.C. like was that big of a deal? So you know, kind of didn't play that big a role. Like three is probably a little generous, like you know, for the setting. Really, the only thing that I will say, the only thing I liked about the setting was the description of like where he lived. Like this is this idea, this character being like living in this downtrodden. Yes, this is a guy who gave pretty much gave his entire life to our country. Uh, was had his back turned on by our country and is suffering because of it. And, you know, is, is this wood carpenter now living in this, you know, can't, he has, apparently hasn't paid his rent or whatever, made a mortgage payment in like a couple months. So that part like saves it a little bit. So that's what, that's why I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, that's a great point. His house was really, really well described. Not even just the action scene, but even just, you know, when people are rolling up the house to come to, to the house to come talk to him or whatever. Really well described. And again, kind of like that Gilgo Beach Rex guy. His house was all run down, disheveled, stood out on the block as being disgusting. I kind of got that feel here. Yeah, every, mm. I think I have to go a little higher, though, because... If I read the book in full, I think things would have been fleshed out a little bit more and less rushed at the hospital or less rushed on a couple other little scenes. But we do get the opening in the Middle East. Again, not very descriptive of where, but yeah, it's no Vince Flynn in terms of the details. You know, you don't go up, you know, Wisconsin Avenue and make a right on R Street and go past Dumbarton Oaks Park. You're right. It doesn't have that detail. But but is that a consequence of us listening to the abridged? You know, exactly. It could, it could be. Because the setting it is probably be. being hurt the most by that. It, because of that, I'm going to give it a four. Just, But I don't know if it needed it either because the characters were the lead. Characters sing. The characters sing. The yeah. characters sing. And sometimes the little details of which street you're on and what the street corner looks like are unnecessary. And, and I feel like for large parts of this book, it was unnecessary. Yet the ones we got were great because even when Roy sneaks up on them and they're on – Fade caught Karen on a run. He pretended that he fell. And then Roy comes and they go in the ejector seat and they're driving. I can imagine like the countryside or this road that they're on, this highway. So I'm going to go four out of setting. I think I'm going to be generous to it there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know my free space. Why don't you give us your free space? Then we could wrap up with the cover. My free space has got to be Karen Manning. Like I, I really, I really liked her as, as a character. Um, and I kind of already said this, but I think Kyle writes female characters very well. You can definitely see that, you know, from here is not his first novel, but you know, it's something that he's going to stick with. So yeah, I, I got to give it to Karen Manning. I, I really like that character. I like that. It's a good choice. It minds the ending. Not going to say much more, but this, this book has a complete arc and I'm glad yeah, that arc comes to a close. I like that a lot. I knew that was going to be your, your yeah. free space. It's the end. I'm glad it comes to a close. I love seeing the end, and it just allows so many more gives fun it, opportunities. Gives, it stakes. gives yeah. it stakes. And now he can plug in, right? You didn't plan to do this. You told the story as it needed to be told, but now there's so many opportunities to plug in at different timelines. 
uh, uh, you know, parts of Fade's life. And, and I, I'm excited for that. Some some of my favorite books have been where we read the ending in the first like chapter. Yep. And we don't get like the full view of it. Like American Assassins, like this. Yes. One of the reasons I love that it's not the ending, but it's like you don't know if it's midway or three fourths of the way book, but that's where we start the novel is seeing Mitch in the situation in Lebanon, looking in the mirror. And then later on we come back to that and like, it's more fleshed out. It's more, you obviously understand a little bit more. And so those are some of my favorite novels is when we have this idea of like where the story is going. And so obviously by reading this entire thing, we we know where the story went, where it is. And then we can, he he has the ability to go anywhere with it. Like literally you can go anywhere. Like in a Mitchell novel, or, or, or a Scott Harvath novel, or you know a James Reese novel, you know that the main character is going to be there. Yeah, so you there, know there, they're going to survive. We can have the biggest battle, toughest shootout. How's Mitch going to get out of this one? How's Scott going to escape? How's James going to get out? But the thing is, they don't have to get out. There's there's a small chance to me that when I read those scenes, I'm like. I know this is not the moment, you know, this is not the moment where James Reese is going to die. I know that. But a small part of me is like, he could. Yeah. He could. And and for for a writer to actually take that step is humongous. And to take that step when you're clearly not at the end, right? Like, you could be like, oh, book 36 of Mitch Rapp. Like, it's obviously going to have to happen soon or whatever. That, that time might come. What if you kill James Reese next book? Like, Boom, mind friggin' blown. Like everyone in the published industry would be like, that's a no-no. But to me, it would just be insane. It would be, it would just be mind-boggling to let that happen. And I know it's never gonna happen, these big brand names, but dude, can you imagine? And we kind of get a little mini version of that here. I think that's what makes like why people love Game of Thrones because of this idea that no one's safe no one exactly you know, and th- that's why you read because you, you want to know like who's going to die next yep. um i mean obviously you have to have multiple characters to, to lead you through that yeah. but yeah no like having stakes leads ultimately leads to having a better book so wait a minute code red red wedding everybody's gonna die in this book <laughs> could you imagine could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> you imagine a red wedding in the next Mitch Rap book. Don Bentley's just going to blow it all up. <laughs> One book contract for Don Bentley. He killed everybody. <laughs> then they retcon it all with with the next author. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> anyway, I, I like steaks. Let's let's boil it down to I like steaks. Got to have steaks. I love, I love real steak and steaks. So yeah, there you go, and not just world-ending steaks. Not a nuke's going to go off somewhere, you know. Steaks like personal steaks, character-based steaks. Yes. All right, we got to talk the cover. Um, All right, what about these covers, man? Yeah, which one do you want to start with? I don't know which one was the OG. Do you know which one came out first? We got the blue one and the red, white, and blue one. I don't know which one came out first. They're both very similar. Uh, running in DC, running with the. You know, obviously, one thing I will give it is that it captures this idea of, of a man and a woman on the run, which yes. is, you know, we just, we didn't spend that much time in DC. And 
I don't know what would have been a better cover for this. So that's what ultimately, like, when I think about, oh, like, this would have been a good cover. Like, I, I don't have a great idea for this one. I think, like, these these are, like, the best that you can do. They're not great, but I don't know. What, are you going to go hard on them? I'm not going to go too hard. And the reason I'm, I'm not going to go three. It's, it's, it's a mid. It's a mid cover. Yeah, here's what saves it. It's judge a cover by the book. And to put Fade and Karen Manning together and actually represent them on the run, and they are kind of doing this in, in one of the scenes. I feel like they were on a run when Fade was chasing her. Uh, it, it's kind of a metaphor of Karen wanting to help Fade tell his story. You know, they have to get out together so that they can do this thing. I, I like the choice of having the silhouetted figures running together. I, th I think that judging the cover by the book ticks that box for me. The fact that one of them put them on a street in D.C. near the Capitol. Eh, you're right. Not enough takes place there. They're never running through the city streets. It's not like there's a shootout, you know, right, on Capitol Hill or anything. So that's eh, a little ding. But I like the red, white, and blue one a whole lot better. I, I think that one. Yeah, the, that one is better. That one generally works for me, you know, artistically, stylistically. Again, we're talking early 2000s, so covers, I, I think. Just weren't a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think they had the weight they do in the social media days and everyone, you know, take a selfie of you with your Mai Tai on the beach reading the book, you know. I, I don't, I, I think I have to judge them by that era, so. Man, how do you score these? Oh, and by the way, there are more covers. Take a look at what I just put in the chat. The more oh, and more a, I think. About oh my god, there's the, a ton more covers. Oh man, the more and more I think about the Deadfall cover, the more and more I appreciate it. Love the Deadfall cover, dude. Really love it. We made that clear, right, on the Scott Harvath podcast? I think I we think made that so. clear. Dude, look at the orange cover. Yo. Do you see that one? How do I? I opened up your thing in the chat, but it doesn't. It takes me just a Goodreads. Oh, here we go. Here we go. He gave everything to his country. Now he wants it back. Oh, you notice all these covers also have a Lee Child endorsement. Lee Child says, "Quote a certainty for the Thriller Hall of Fame." That's big, dude. I'm loving Ooh, this kind of like cover. the barbed the barbed wire with the orange. Yeah. That one's pretty cool. Barbed wire with the orange. And look at the text. The actual word fade being burned out. Oh, I, there... I like this one. It's Kyle Mills fade. It's kind of like a faded uh, flag with like a silhouette of a guy. That one's kind of cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is Dutch you know? nude gang. Nude gang. What does that even mean? Dutch and Flemish. What does nude gang mean? Die? Let's let's demission. <laughs> I'm gonna make a graphic out of these. We're gonna have cover A, B, C, D, and all that like usual. I didn't get to it in advance. I didn't know about these. These are gold, man. Nude gang. <laughs> nude nude gang. gang. That is Dutch for <laughs> what? <laughs> Infernal speed. At a breakneck pace. Okay. okay. <laughs> Where'd they get that okay. from? <laughs> Nude gang. Just call it fade, bro. Like, use the... At a breakneck infernal pace. 
why would you translate that to that? This one has title? like a building blowing up on it. Oh, you're you know, right. The though, one thing I would I would German one's cool. Is like a tree exploding and burning. Remember when he explodes the tree, like in front of his house, and he gets pissed off. He's like, "You didn't even put a you didn't even put a sniper up there." You know how much time oh. I spent putting explosives <laughs> in that tree, live explosives in that tree. It took a lot of time. He rigged didn't the get best. To kill yeah, the best sniper's nest in that tree. He rigged it, blew it up just because he had it. He had it rigged. I do like the German one though with that badge. You can see a little corner of the badge. Yes. What about this green one? That's a very Kyle Mills looking cover. <laughs> it's a very Kyle Mills looking cover. I think I read another one of his Darkness Falls, a bio weapons thriller. I think you'd like. Uh, kind of has that green cover. It looks just like this German, another German version. I didn't realize there were this oh. many covers. Wow, there's a lot of covers. Yeah, you guys got to tell us what you think. Which what's your favorite fade cover? Here's a problem. What is die? Let's say Michel. Uh, let's look that up. By the way, Nude Gang wants me to take this down and give it a zero on covers and titles. But then the orange one, the orange fire and barbed wire makes me want to give it a perfect five. Like I'm torn on this. Die Leitze, how do you spell that? The final mission. The final mission. Yeah, the last mission. Oh, oh, dude, that's yeah, a great that's cool. title. That's a cool title. Yeah, I like Fade as the title because this book is so character centric. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think Fade is the better title. But if you had a subtitle, The Last Mission, that works. The Germans, man, they're they're beating the Dutch on these titles. Nude gang. Get the fuck out of here, nude gang. <laughs> Are right, we we got I got to settle on a score here cuz I like that orange cover. I like the red, white and blue flag cover. I hate the blue and black one in DC. Uh, I've been generous all along, so I'm going to go three and a half. I, I I yeah, I can't give it that four. It does not deserve it. No, I'm, it does not. It does not. I've been generous enough. I think that orange one, red, white and blue one, three and a half. I'm leaving it at that. Wow. You have a 44 and a half, Mike. Definitely. Absolutely. I, I will stand by that any day. I'm going a little lower. Mine's a 40 and a half. Solid book. Solid book. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you absolutely can't go lower than a 40. Argument could be made to push a 45, but that's probably about it. Real solid book. And I'll be honest, I gave this caveat before. I didn't read the whole thing, the unabridged version. No doubt this book can be infinitely better, I bet, if we read the whole thing. That's on us, or at least that's on me. I'll take it. But I still wanted to give it a good score because I really enjoyed what we got. Yep. Oh, All right. I can't let everybody go until I tell you a limerick about my thoughts on Fade. Oh, give it to me. Give it to me. There was a quirky man named Salam, trained warrior and loose cannon bomb depressed and alone if only he'd known the lengths his best friend would have gone oh that's a good one that's a good one kyle that's for you thank you for fade thank you for what over a decade of mitch rap 
Love what you are almost a decade. Love what you brought to this series. Can't wait for you to go back and explore your own characters, your own creations. Hope you're enjoying your time in Spain, getting those juices flowing, because I want whatever you're going to write next. I want it, and I want it now. Yeah, and with that, next time we'll be bringing you on this feed, Code Red. Whether it's our interview with Kyle or our breakdown, part one or part two of Code Red, um, stay tuned for that. If you guys haven't signed up for the Ambassador Program, which I don't know why you wouldn't have, make sure you pre-order your copy September 12th, Code Red. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm only about halfway. And we'll even have our hot take episode, a little shorter, reacting to the Stephen Weber news, the new narrator replacing George Goodell for Code Red and I would assume beyond, you know, Code Red and the Don Bentley books. So that'll be coming at you soon. All right. We need to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe using your favorite podcasting platform on Twitter and Instagram at Thriller Podcast. And as always, just let fade be fade.